0: to the enduro method podcast episode two so today we're going to be interviewing dane tony i um, learning a little bit about her history how she got into dirt biking
1: hi <laughs> i'm so, dane and this is our second podcast and off we go
0: yep so dane let's hear a little bit about um where you grew up
1: uh well i grew up in colorado basalt colorado um cute little mountain town. Um, I actually grew up in a really awesome area, but growing up, you ever you never really know what you have until you leave. Um, you know, I had dirt biking out my back door. Uh, I grew up skiing, so I, I definitely participated in skiing. But I was just um, so absorbed in team sports. I was volleyball, basketball, soccer um, that I did not spend any time Dirt biking there, but yep, I grew up in Basalt, Colorado. Um, it's a town in between Aspen and Glenwood Springs.
0: So you said you grew up a little bit around dirt biking. Who was who was on the bikes at the time when you were growing up?
1: Uh, not me. Um, and <laughs> so my my younger brother, he's four years younger. Um, he actually got into dirt biking. I actually don't know when, I I really believe that he got into it, either my freshman year of college when I was out of the house, or maybe my senior year, I don't exactly know, but this is actually a really funny story. I was so absorbed in myself, (laughs) uh, and boys, and team sports, and college, um, that I didn't know my brother even dirt biked or let alone that the house that we grew up in, he actually built a motocross track around the house. Like it was a moat motocross track moat (laughs) around our house, like totally dug up the whole backyard, like took an excavator bulldozer. I don't even know, but built these jumps and everything. I, I do believe it was after I left that he like fully went down the rabbit hole of building the motocross track mo- moat around the house. But uh, yeah, I actually had no idea until I came back and I was like, why are there mounds <laughs> around that house? And uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny to think that that was just literally right out my back door. But yeah, I was too concerned with other things to, (laughs) uh, consider even doing anything around that.
0: Nice. Well, sounds like a good time. Um, (laughs) going into team sports, what were your, you said you did all, you did three sports Mm -hmm. consecutive through high school. What was your favorite?
1: Ooh, um, that's tough. Uh, you know, I played volleyball in college. I wanted to play volleyball in college, so I kind of definitely pushed that one. That one was probably my favorite. Um, looking back, though, it's it's hard. I I really liked basketball too. Uh, I did not like soccer. Uh, I was goalie. I'm not very good with my feet in a ball, <laughs> but uh, they put me. You know, I I was goalie, so they put me in the goal, and that was definitely my forte. Um, So it was still fun. I liked it. I loved my soccer coach. Um, Yeah, it's hard. I would say have to probably say at the time it was volleyball because that's what I was pursuing, trying to pursue in college.
0: Yeah. So after high school, you played a little bit of volleyball. Where was that? (laughs) Uh,
1: So my pride was a big thing. (laughs) Because your, your
0: high school was pretty small, right? So it's yes. not like you were in Colorado in Denver somewhere at a D1. No. You were at a pretty small high school in Basalt.
1: Yeah, I believe there was like 98 in our graduating class. We'll just say 100. So I was a, a big fish in a small pond. <laughs> um, but I walked on to UC Santa Barbara's Division one team, Um I think the coach was crazy. I don't know why she thought I could play. Uh, I mean, she actually didn't say I would play, but she actually allowed me on the team. I went from playing freshman to senior year team sports on varsity to shagging balls and um, not participating in any games or even really practices uh, playing for UC Santa Barbara. And so that was definitely short-lived. I mean – going from small mountain town to, you know, classes where you knew everyone and anyone to this huge school. Like I was, I did not know what the heck I was doing. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: And then just playing at that level, like it's, it's a whole new world. And then stepping into California. uh, I mean, it was a big change for me. Um, And I ended up playing, Ooh, (sighs) I don't even know. I think I made it through like, I would say the first quarter of the season. And then I pulled the ripcord. I mean, we we had three practices a day. They told me I had to take study hall, which was, and you're only allowed to take the minimum number of credits, including study hall. And I was looking at this going, well, I'm not going to get to play for two plus years, three years, four years. And then it's going to take me forever to graduate. So I was like, eh. you know, looking back at it, I, I do wish I would have gone and played D two or D three, and then maybe I could have played another sport too. Um, but I mean, it was totally a good experience, and it led me to be where I am today. So.
0: Yeah. So at this point, your Santa Barbara volleyball thing to getting out. Dirt bikes still aren't on the radar, but no, what's where, a dirt did you, bike? where did you go next? <laughs>
1: Uh, so this was in 2008 as well. And so I was pay- paying out of state tuition and 2008 economy crashed. My parents call me up and are like, uh, we're not paying this anymore. Pick a school, <laughs> pick a school in state. Cause they, there's still a lot of value in college, um, or going to college, but they were, they were not going to pay for a UC school <laughs> out of state tuition. So I ended up going uh, or transferring to Colorado State University in Fort Collins. Um, and I ended up playing club volleyball there, which was awesome. And I was like right at my level at the same time uh, of starting club volleyball. I think that's when I got into CrossFit as well.
0: So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because that's eventually <laughs> what led you to move out to Wyoming. Correct. So you're playing volleyball, you're into. Right, You get some training with the team. Um,
1: I get to play and not shag balls.
0: (laughs) And I know from knowing you that you had looked, you had tried to outsource your fitness essentially to work on your vertical jump and stuff like that earlier in your life Mm -hmm. and not seen any success with that. Mm -hmm. And then you get to college and you start CrossFit and all of a sudden you kind of see some results you hadn't seen in the past. And so you were kind of bought in, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) I mean, I had personal trainers and everything, you know, to try and get my vertical higher. Um, And one of the things that was missing from my training was weights. Like, I I didn't really use weights or at least do explosive movements with weights, like something like the power clean and the the snatch. I was never taught those things, um, which actually have a a huge translation to being powerful and explosive. Uh, So when I started CrossFit, I I mean, I wasn't really training for volleyball at the time just because that ship had sailed and um, I was definitely becoming burnt out. Um, But after starting CrossFit, I definitely, I I remember testing my vertical after and it was significantly enough of a significance more (laughs) and I was like, no way. All right, sign me up. Like, this, I'm sold. Um, But I was actually not training for volleyball at that time. This was just like the vertical piece of it was just an after effect. It was more of like, huh, well, should have been doing that. Um, How I got into it actually was uh, my techniques of weight training class teacher uh, at CSU talked all about it. We went, we would go into a strength and conditioning gym for our class. because well, we'll back it up for a second. My degree is in health and exercise science. So that's what I was uh, studying at Colorado state university. And I was in that class techniques of weight training. And we'd walk into this gym and there'd be a bunch of machines. And I'll never forget my instructor was, <laughs> he was like, you see all these machines now look down, look at you that's the machine. And I remember being like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes. uh, I love it. And so I,
0: some machines are good.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. But for that, you uh, know, at that point in my life, I was like, that was so impactful. And I was right. like, whatever he has to say, like I'm bowing to Jesus. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, so he, my teacher talked a lot about it and just said how um, how awesome it is and how you know, free free weights and using your body rather than machines and uh, just developing your energy systems. I mean, he didn't really honestly talk about that. I just know that now. <laughs> but but developing your, tr- your training to reflect that um, kind of crossfit style of training. Uh, and then that summer, I went, you know, I went home for your summer break and there was one CrossFit gym in the entire valley. And I was like peering in through the windows and my friends and I, there was two friends I believe that I started with. um, We called them up and did, uh, I think it was like a two-week fundamentals thing. It was really like learning all the movements and everything. And I remember in my first class, so you do the fundamentalist class and then you like go and immerse yourself in like the actual class that they were holding. Um, I remember very vividly, mind you, I was a big fish, small town. So I was like, you know, an athlete in, in my little town, my little pocket. And so I'm, um, you know, in this class and there was a bunch of my friends from high school, their, their parents, their moms in the same class as me. And I'm, Failing at push ups, failing that I'm doing push ups on the wall and I'm looking behind me and my friend's parents, moms are doing legit push ups on the ground. And I look at, <laughs> I look, I'm like, sold, sign me up because clearly what I have been doing was not working because <laughs> I need to be doing push ups like that. And it is ridiculous that so and so's mom is kicking my butt. <laughs> I mean, slightly competitive, but. Uh, yeah, it was immediately sold, and uh, that was kind of the the initiation of my journey as far as CrossFit goes and coaching.
0: Right. So then, fast forward a little bit. Um, that's what ended up bringing you out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, originally.
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> the last semester of my degree was a 500-hour internship, and so basically they just sent us off and still. Had us pay tuition. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I reached out to uh, Mountain Athlete in Jackson, Wyoming, and ended up getting accepted there for an internship. I felt pretty cool because I was the only person in my class that had a paid internship. Um, I was actually, at that point in my life, I was trying, considering dr- diving down the, the fire, uh wildland fire and fire department kind of avenue. And so I had actually two options. I was um had the option of implementing a health and wellness program at the Jackson Hole Fire Department. Um that could have been an internship that would have been unpaid and then I had my mountain athlete um opportunity and that was paid. So of course I took that one. I had a friend living in Jackson. And so that was kind of the driving force behind there. Um, she's like a really good friend from home and she had moved up here and said it was awesome. So I was like, well, why not? (laughs) Um, so yeah, mountain athlete. Then I moved to Jackson. That was in 2012 that I started my internship. Um, and yeah,
0: So from moving to Jackson, uh, intern at Mountain Athlete, and then uh, that's also where we met. Cramp um, started seeing each other, and <laughs> <laughs> shortly after that, you were talked into buying a dirt bike. By who? I suggested it, <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I think your dad came down like either that weekend or the following weekend.
1: Well, pump the brakes. I'm trying to be cool. <laughs> I'm trying to be badass. I spent that. So, so I had never really spent a whole lot of time on two wheels. I had spent a lot of time on courts with balls <laughs> and, uh, I had spent that summer downhill mountain biking.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: And I did one race uh, in, it was Blast the Mast in, in my hometown, Snowmass, Colorado. They had a race there, a downhill race. And um, I think I signed up for the novice and there was three of us, I think. There, there was th- three or whatever, two or three other um, girls, including myself. And I ended up winning that, which was like a total highlight of my life. Mind you it was like the the novice class the super novice one but it was like you know okay you know I I've got a new sport and I'm trying to be cool and <laughs> trying to be tough and uh, so I was I did that that summer it was steep learning curve for that you know downhill mountain biking having never really um, done a two-wheel sport or a sport that requires you to uh, pick lines, or look ahead, um, or stay loose, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> or breathe, wow. I mean, I breath- breathe, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was definitely an interesting thing, and then so um, when Josh recommended that I get a dirt bike, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, why not, I mean, I'm totally a, a tough girl, <laughs> and can uh, do this. And so, uh, yeah, he recommended that I get one. I think I think I know a lot of girls that get into it because their boyfriend or husband um, does it themselves. And it, it is a good activity for couples to do together. Um, mostly. Mostly. <laughs> I think there's going to be a separate podcast on that. <laughs> um, you know, riding with your girlfriend or spouse. <laughs> uh, anyways, so, yeah, my dad came down... <laughs> Uh Josh is very feels very lucky that he was not part of this. <laughs> but uh yeah, so he we drive to uh the nearest dealership, uh, which is about ninety minutes away in a place called Idaho Falls. And I go buy a dirt bike. <laughs> um I'm five eleven, um, so I'm I'm fairly tall. So my brother and remember my brother rides dirt bikes. Hence the the motocross motocross moat around the house. He also raced downhill mountain bikes. That was kind of another precursor to me getting into that. It's like, okay, this something's gotta run in the family, right? <laughs> um, so talking to Josh and my brother, they both suggested I get a 250 because I'm tall enough. And in
0: hindsight, <laughs> we might have had a better a bit of able to pick a better bike.
1: So but- it's a big bike. Um I picked out... It was a 2006 250 XC No.
0: No, it was the 250X, the uh, Honda four-stroke. Honda. Yeah, yeah, it was a Honda.
1: I was jumping ahead there. Um, and uh, went to Idaho Falls, picked one out, <laughs> said, which one's a 250? Whatever that means. Uh, and it needs to be a four-stroke. <laughs> That's what I've been told. <laughs> and picked one out, said that one looks cute. And... I was when the guy was like, you want to take it for a test ride? And I was like, sure. Uh, how, how, how does it go? (laughs) How do you make it? How do you use it? (laughs) Cause I had been downhill mountain biking. So, okay. Lever's on my hands. Okay. Front and rear brake. And he goes, well, left hand is a clutch. And I go, well, how does that work? (laughs) So this poor salesman had no idea that he was, um, Going to be instructing uh dirt biking for that specific day. <laughs> so he had to teach me how to start it, to stop it, to use the clutch, had to tell me that the rear brake is actually on my foot, shift lever is on this foot, and the front brake is on your right hand. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty sure I started it up like literally took it like 20 yards down, was able to turn around 20 yards back. And I was like, I don't need to do anything more because I'm going to make a fool on myself <laughs> or something bad is going to happen. <laughs> so we just said, load it up and let's go. Um, so we loaded it up in my dad's truck. It was very nice of him to endure the embarrassment. <laughs> um, and that was it. That was my first time riding a dirt bike was in that parking lot. <laughs>
0: So from there, from your perspective, that was... Let's see, what year was that? That was in 2000...
1: 2013 is when we when I bought that. Okay. The Honda.
0: And then we rode a little bit each year, but not anything crazy. But kind of from your perspective and your journey through that, what did those first couple rides feel like?
1: First couple of rides, I just... I don't even know our first ride. I remember riding up Shadow Mountain, which is in Jackson. Yeah. It's not a trail, it's a road.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a road and a little bit of two track.
1: Yeah. And so I remember riding that. You know, that first year, we didn't ride a whole lot. We rode that time and maybe one other time. And because uh, that was the year we started the gym. Yep. So, um, a couple rides, I had all hand-me-down gear for my brother, um, so I just kind of pieced that together. I'm pretty sure I was probably wearing his boots that probably didn't fit, um, his helmet with the visor hanging off. Not recommended, I think, if you're going to, you know, the gear is there to save your life, <laughs> so make sure it yeah, spend, can do that. spend a
0: little money and get mm-hmm. good protection that fits. Yeah. I mean, sure. of course
1: you're trying it out to see if you like it, but... Anyways, the first couple experiences, you know, it's funny. It's like, why do you ride? Why that question? It's like, I have no idea. I have no idea why I do because the first rides, I mean, they're fun, but I was like, it was just miserable. There was like, but I think that's what made me keep coming back. It was like, I will always say it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Hands down over anything I've ever done. I've been in the deepest workout. I would say that's fairly similar to riding a dirt bike and being, and then you also have the emotions behind it. And you have this machine that weighs 250 plus pounds and you know, you're maneuvering it around, picking it up. That's the thing is, you know, as a beginner, you're, you're not only unfamiliar with the sport and it's hard and you're exhausting yourself just trying to ride it because you're so tight and tense and nervous but then you drop it a bunch so you have to pick it up a lot and that thing is not heavy or not light it's super heavy not easy to maneuver um so yeah I mean the first I don't know that was a lot I mean I still it's definitely it's always there is that the challenge but I mean, there's definitely moments now where I, I feel like I'm having flow states or like I have got a smile ear to ear, but the first couple years, you should maybe tell a story about that. Do you have any stories about riding with me for the first year?
0: I've blocked a lot of that out. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) No, I think Dane had a really steep learning curve. Um, it was a blind spot of mine, I think, in the beginning, with with how she started. I think most girls, uh, and I'm not trying to be harsh on that, even dudes, um, the way that she started and persevered, a lot of people would have quit, because it Thank was, you. yeah, it was steep. We didn't do any beginner hills, and where we live here in Idaho, everything's pretty legit. Um, obviously there's a spectrum but even the trails getting into where we ride are not super easy
1: it's not like it's not flat basic learn to turn learn to use a throttle you learn to use a clutch brake whatever
0: yeah um so she spent a lot of time getting <laughs> getting uh, worked Hammered. I would say yeah, um persevered and then Eventually, it seemed that there were glimpses of fun on the yes, rides, glimpse. and I think that's what brought her kept bringing her back. That and from what you said previously, we were still kind of new, so there was an element of uh,
1: impressing you. Uh,
0: yeah, or just <laughs> not wanting to to say this is too much. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure, for sure. I was, I mean, yeah, I would go on these rides, and I would you know, I'm trying to impress him. So it's like, well, be tough, be tough, be cool, be cool. <laughs> um, I, and it probably paid out in my favor, honestly. Like if we were to start now, I'd be like, F you,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to cry and F you. Yeah. But back then I was like, don't cry, you know, no way. Like smile. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like we just probably lucked out on that. Um, you know, I, I when when you were talking there, I had a, a memory of talking to you and every time I remember saying to you, why is it every time I go and ride? Like I am terrified. Remember that? Like we were out going going out for a ride and I was like, I don't understand why I do this because every time I go, I'm terrified. I'm so scared. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it it is just like you fall down, you gotta get back up type thing. And, um, yeah, like he was saying, there's not really like I didn't spend much time learning, I spent a lot of time, uh, figuring it out. And I think you were actually very helpful for that because you were learning yourself, too. Granted, you were miles ahead of me, but still, learning. you were and you're a good coach. That's the other thing, is you're able to give good tactics. And good feedback and then above all is you didn't do it for me
0: i don't babysit i'm not a good babysitter.
1: (laughs) which sometimes (laughs) which sometimes babysitting has its place but josh did not babysit me at all um probably to a fault even
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I would help if it was really needed Mm -hmm. and i would definitely help if it was i mean even if there were spots that I was like, this might be above right where you're at, then we would help I'd help you get through it or whatever safely and not put you in that situation. But if it was just, yeah, off the side of the trail, it's like, <laughs> okay,
1: pick it up. <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> yeah, it's I think that's been a huge, huge help for me. Um, I think with that, it also, it comes across as like, you're confident enough in me that I can do it. Right. And so I remember having these little goals. I remember having a goal. I want to be able to do everything by myself. I don't care how fast I am. I just don't want help. So that was my goal. I want to be able to ride all these rides that we were doing in Idaho and do it all by myself. And I got there and I was doing them. I didn't need help. And then all of a sudden it's funny. You see the progression. Like I never, I don't really care how fast I go. And now all of a sudden I'm like, now I need to be faster. How can I be faster? <laughs> so it went from, I just, I don't, I don't want help to now I need, now I want to get faster. Now I want to get better. It's, so it's really neat to see that progression happen in my head and and on the trail too.
0: Right, and then you're seeking out the trails that you've heard other people talk yeah. about, and you're like, "Well, we should go ride that trail.
1: Yeah, can I do that?
0: Can I do that one?
1: hmm
0: Yeah. Um, so real quick on that, that was your first bike,
1: to mm-hmm. so
0: that CRF 50 x
1: Oh yeah, you wanna go to the bike story?
0: And then <laughs> we had a little engine problem with that one, which mm-hmm. was entirely my fault.
1: I was Miscommunication. <laughs>
0: still learning the mechanicing side of this. And apparently there's two, there's an oil bolt and a clutch oil bolt on that bike. And I can't remember why, but I ended up pulling one of the bolts um, thinking it was, I was draining the clutch oil, but I drained because the engine I had, oil.
1: Because I had punctured Oh, that's right, your case. case. Yeah. yeah.
0: And some of the metal had got into the bottom. And so... Pulled that off, didn't find any metal, and I was like, well, we should take it to somebody so they can pull the cover off, fish the metal out, and then redo the, um, you know, make sure everything's good to go in there. And so, took it to the local guy, got it back, and I was assuming, and again, he did everything right, because he drained the, the clutch oil, filled it back up, but I had drained the engine oil, and I didn't know that. So we go on a ride. Oh,
1: yeah, that's what it was you dreamt in.
0: Yeah. So Uh, we're we're riding. And like, I don't remember how that ride started off, but we were- No, we
1: rode, we did like probably five rides. And then- No, we
0: went up, we went up Mahogany. And you tipped your bike over and you're like, I just started this leaf on fire.
1: Yeah. And I was like, I was like, this bike is so hot. And then I kept telling you, it sounds funny. Right. And you would be like, here he is again, like- you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I was like, uh, I, I think something's weird and it's hot. In fact, I just lit a leaf on fire. It started smoking yeah. when I tipped the bike over. I don't, I, I feel like that ain't right.
0: Yep. Um, and I kept saying no, you know, in my head, I'm like, Pff,
1: you you're don't know fine.
0: what you're talking about. The bike's fine. Obviously it's not the bike's fault. Anyways, start a leaf on fire. <laughs> I was like, huh? seems a little hot. <laughs> and then it wasn't that long afterwards. You're like, it's making all these noises and it's like grinding or something. And I was like, you were like, just ride it. And I was like, all right. So I jumped on it. I went literally, like, I don't know, 40 yards down the road and the whole thing just seized up. <laughs> um,
1: Luckily where it seized, it was in a, a decent spot to get it out.
0: Yeah. So that wasn't that hard. But that was, um, I was like, oh, maybe I should pay a little bit more attention to... <laughs>
1: what, what happened? What
0: happened? So, second bike. At this point, you're like, cool. I'm into riding. I want to continue.
1: Yep. I was actually kind of bummed that my bike exploded. Um. So, I sold that. I actually got... I think I got, like, $1,200 for this bike that didn't run. And, not to mention, it was, like, radiators bent, like... It had been through the ringer. Yeah, as
0: a part bike, it wasn't that great even.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically it was spent more time probably on its side than upright. Um, but I got a new bike, and I got a KTM. I went orange, and um, I think I had my brother pick this one up from Colorado, another used bike. And this was a 250 XCFW, so still the 250. Um, and... Uh, I think I put a... They had it with a recluse, or I put a recluse in it. That The 250 had the recluse.
0: I think you put the recluse in that bike. I don't think it came with one. One or the other. Yeah.
1: But I re- nope, remember... No, you did. You put it in. Okay.
0: After, like, shortly after you got that bike, we put a recluse in it.
1: Yeah. So the, the Honda only lasted, I think, maybe... I don't even know. We probably put... 10 at most rides on it. It was not very many. And, uh, and the, the KTM comes along and I put a recluse in it because mind you, I don't know how to use a clutch or really a throttle even. So I, there's a lot of things going on. And as a beginner, it was so hard for me. I just needed to learn to ride the bike. And so the the recluse the auto clutch was super helpful for me at that point in time because it gave me an opportunity to learn how to ride like stay on the bike and not stall 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 over everything like because I'm so I have no idea what the heck I'm doing with clutch throttle blah 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 like shift that I mean it was like rub your head or rub your belly pat your head like with your every finger and every toe and I couldn't it was just too much for me. And so the recluse allowed me to focus on riding and getting through and helped me build confidence going over like obstacles, going through things and being like, okay, if I just keep momentum, then I can, I can just use momentum to get get through things. And so, um, so that bike had the recluse and I was like, totally, it was a little bit of a, a crutch for me. Uh, I would definitely say, um, but that was fine because it allowed me to, to, it was a part of my progression as a rider.
0: Yeah, it took away one of the technical aspects. You were able to really focus more on, um, like you said, being on the trail, picking your lines, not worried about stalling, all right. that stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, <laughs> so that poor bike, uh, I think I probably rode it more than 10 times, maybe oh, yeah. for two years or so.
0: Yeah. You and put, then we put a decent amount of hours on that.
1: Yeah. And then mind you, our hours are only summer. So a decent amount would probably be like at that point, maybe 60 50 hours. 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, I think it was probably the second year I had that bike. We were down in Nevada riding near Mesquite and, uh, luckily where we were again, it just happens out of luck. Uh, we're actually on the road. We're heading back because we had to head back early because we had to get back. Uh, this was Thanksgiving weekend. I think this was probably Sunday would be my guess Saturday or Sunday. Cause we had to be back for classes here at the gym on Monday and Sunday. We're like, we left the ride early and we get to the road and I'm, we're like buzzing up. And then all of a sudden my bike stops and I know this feeling because of the other one and I was like oh no so I pulled the crank thing out tried to crank it over I was the like the kickstarter the kickstarter <laughs> the crank thing <laughs> see <laughs> um and I it's it's stuck and I was like uh oh uh oh and luckily we were on the freaking road because you came and um had to <laughs> Get the trailer and loaded The thing. thing was toast, seized, yep. seized her up.
0: Yeah. So that bike after that happened, cause when you, you bought it from KTM Aspen, mm-hmm. no knock on KTM Aspen, but there's no way that that bike had the amount of hours that was claimed by the I private mean, who seller knows? who was selling it through there. Who
1: knows? But yeah, I mean, a bike's a bike. I could have had a lemon too, so. Who knows? But, and now we all know that, I mean, you can, you know, I've had to replace wheels on previous bikes and it's like, oh, it's not counting hours. Maybe there was something to do with that. I don't know.
0: Anyways. Okay. So after that 4 stroke blows up, next bike.
1: Yep. So that blew up. Um, that was Thanksgiving. And so I was heartbroken. Um, and then I decided I'm going to go new because you had just bought a new bike in 2015. And, and when you bought the new bike, it was kind of like solidified that, Hey, we're doing this. Like, this is kind of, or we're, we're enjoying it. We want to get better. And I bought a 2017 of that. It was 2017 that spring bought a new bike. And this one, I went two stroke, which I was, you know, I was always on the four stroke because everyone said it was like the throttle, like was smoother and was more quote unquote user-friendly. So I was really nervous to get the um, the two stroke, but I got the two stroke and I had the recluse in it. So when I bought it, I bought it with the recluse in. It. I was like, you gotta put that in because it was my crutch. Uh, and I remember we I went and picked it up and then rode it on the way home in some sand and was like, this is the best thing ever. And in the the throttle situation, it was. I thought there was going to be a steeper learning curve than there was. And so I was so excited when I just got on and rode it like nothing. It felt really light underneath me. Um, And so it was like, you know, it was was awesome. And that was like my first new bike. This is a legit thing now. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're doing. We're we're riding dirt bikes. I'm a dirt bike rider. Um, And yeah, and. That summer, I believe, I think I wrote it that summer, or maybe it was the summer after, but I ended up getting rid of that recluse. Yep. Um, I had some issues with it um, at the Silver Mountain Race in 2018, maybe?
0: Um, yep. Yeah, it must have been 18. Yep.
1: 2018, so that's when I got rid of the recluse. Um, had some issues with it, and I think it was just... It really, I, I won't say it cost me the race, but it was just it, it hindered me because it, like my bike was tweaking out, and um, <laughs> who really knows? Probably a rider error too, but I was you know, and, and one of my good friends, Kate Shades, like take that thing off, what get rid of it. Her and her boyfriend Nate were like get, get that thing off, and so. Uh, I took it off and, and my first ride without the recluse. Oh, remember this? This was like our epic ride in the, the grays.
0: Oh, the, the group of us.
1: Yes. Where we almost spent the night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So we were in the grays River range and we had an epic adventure. It was an, almost an overnighter. We ended up getting out in the dark, but, um, it had to, uh, Yeah, we went down some snow sections that we could not go up. We made
0: a collective call to drop into something we shouldn't have dropped into.
1: (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that was my first ride uh, with the clutch. And so it was, I mean, that was super hard and technical. And I'm fight or flight a little bit, but I survived with that. So if I could survive with that time, I'm sold. Uh, And it's been... I, I, you know, I would recommend the progression that I had. I think it really helped. But I think, you know, getting rid of the recluse and and getting familiar with the clutch and using it properly has been a huge game changer for me.
0: Right. Cool. So we kind of mentioned the race in there. Um, And again, not saying racing's for everybody, but I know for Dana and myself, we've found that Every time we've done a race, it kind of, it does a couple of things. It opens your eyes to what other people are doing. For sure. Um, it helps keep that spark of like, oh, I can, you know, just continue to improve. Um, and it, it kind of gives you some goals too, and it's a good marker for progression. But what kind of races have you done over the last couple of years and which ones have you enjoyed the most?
1: Yeah. Um... I think I started mostly with the Heron Hounds cause that was local. We did the the pumpkin classic, like we mentioned in your podcast. And then after that, I, I remember going down to Salt Lake doing one. I remember doing one in Murphy and they're just fast. And I, you know, it was so hard and it was like the farthest I had really gone. I think one of them was, no, I don't think I ever raced a hundred miles and Hound. But regardless, it was even in the C course or whatever I was racing, it was 60 miles, 70 miles. And the coolest thing about it, starting these races was I was all by myself. Like I got to be self-sufficient the whole time. I mean, remember you don't babysit me, but it was really neat to be like nonstop the whole time I'm out there on my own. You know, nobody's relying on me for anything. Nobody's waiting on me. I'm on my own. And,
0: but you also have that sense of safety feeling because you know right. you're not going to They're be sweepers. A, right, you're not going to be abandoned
1: Yep, out there. exactly. Like, I'm going to be fine. Sweepers are going to come get me <laughs> if I'm last. It'll kick me off the course. I believe that has happened. Um, that actually did happen. Yeah, one of those races. <laughs> it was three laps and I came in after my second one. Oh, yes, I remember that. And they were, I was like, can I go out for number three? And they were like, uh uh-uh, uh, you're done. <laughs> you're cut off. The sweepers are already out there. I was like, oh, bummer. But, um, you know, racing for me, I always, I, I just like to rate, I like to do a competition for whatever I'm passionate about. Um, I, I, it's, I love hate the nerves before it and it just challenges you in a different way and, and it's fun. And, and the best part about it is the community. So you really get involved in the community and get to meet all these awesome people that we've met and, and just kind of challenge yourself in a different way than riding with your local friends on your local trails. Right. Um, so yeah. And then just seeing new terrain traveling and, and Yeah.
0: So how has fitness integrated into riding for you?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like similar to your story, it's, it's, it's the foundation from which I've been able to progress from, um, you know, I, I had been working out, um, when I started riding. So when I bought a bike, I was running, um, the CrossFit program in Jackson and then, Shortly after there, we started a gym in Driggs called Target Athletics, which we still currently own. Um, so I've I've been heavily immersed in fitness, and when when I started riding and even now, it just it gives me the confidence that I can. You know, if you were to put me on like an actual like physical test, who knows? But I. Whatever I believe in myself to be able to endure to long days, to endure overnighters, which we've had, <laughs> um, to endure whatever comes my way. Um, I, I know that I can, I'm strong enough to pick up my bike. I'm strong enough to like handle it as needed. Granted, you know, there has been maybe like one or two times where I was like, I legit have no options here. One of them, my bike was like falling down a hill and I had it held on by a strap waiting for people to come help me because <laughs> it was lodged under, on a tree. Uh, another story within itself. But like most of the time, I'm able to get myself out of situations for the most part. And that's just having that foundation of strength. Um, I, fitness for me also has, I, I, I truly believe, helped prevent injury. Um I was a super thin human being, <laughs> um, growing up and, you know, I, I may have looked fit, but I was never strong. I was, I was always really skinny fat. Um, you know, at my arms, I always would joke that my, the top part of my arm was smaller than the bottom part of my arm. And so, so <laughs> you can see how that always kind of, or that looked and, and, and I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't strong. And so, becoming strong and training and lifting weights and doing these workouts where you're pushing yourself and you're seeing the progression, not only like numbers and stuff, but also like what your physique looks like. And, um, and so I don't know where I was going with that, but it, it, it's given me the foundation to grow as a writer injury prevention. That's what I was talking about. So (laughs) sidetracked there my skinny arms. <laughs> uh because I was so thin, like I believe that if I hadn't had the strength that I had built by then, uh I would have probably endured some serious injuries. Like I think of my shoulders mostly because that's where I was so weak. Remember I couldn't do a push-up. Um you know crashing I mean it is inevitable when you start and so muscles armor the stronger your muscles are the stronger your joints are it's it's given and so I think that's been a huge thing for me especially starting a sport that's unforgiving
0: yeah yeah crashing's inevitable (laughs) getting in the middle in the end I bet Mm -hmm. (laughs) so moving forward what are you looking forward to most this year
1: well I'm, I'm really excited about this enduro method um I, you know, we started this cause obviously we're own a gym and love riding dirt bikes. And I saw a, a niche to share our, uh, our, I wouldn't say expertise cause we're still learning, but our experience and knowledge in the gym and in related to dirt biking, um, you know, as as we've kind of, you, as you've learned listening to these podcasts, it's played, you know, fitness and training has played a huge role in our progression on a dirt bike. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing where this goes and seeing if we can, you know, expand our reach and help people enjoy their time on the bike better and enjoy the ride and enjoy the journey more because it is, I believe, more fun and more enjoyable the fitter you are and the more confident you are and the stronger you are.
0: Great. Um so that leads right into this question. Where do you think your strengths lie?
1: My strengths? Uh. Um, my strengths. Oh boy. Why'd you start with strengths and not weaknesses? <laughs> strong suit. Strong suit, I guess, would be attitude. So, you know, just having a good attitude, whatever you're up against, you know, in the dirt bike world. I feel like there's a lot of times where um, I've seen people give up or throw fit. Don't get me wrong. I've I've definitely thrown a fit. I usually just try and do it in front of only Josh and not anyone else. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like keep a good attitude and um, stay positive. I'd, I'd say that's a strength for me is, you know, if I am upset, don't show it. <laughs> um, and then even then, if, you, if you're if you pretending, then it, it bleeds into what you actually feel. So, um, yeah, keeping a good attitude no matter what comes up.
0: Yeah, fake it till you make it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Fake it till you make it.
0: And what about some weak points or things you would like to get better at or work
1: on? Oh, we could probably say bike maintenance. <laughs> Remember when I said the the lever thing? Crank lever. Crank lever thingy. Yeah. So bike ma- bike maintenance is. We um, little... don't need a
0: Kickstarter anymore in the in the world. <laughs> no, start
1: My bike doesn't even have one, but I, I do wish. You know, I see a lot of girls really knowledgeable on that, and I, I totally envy that. I think that's awesome, and uh, there are also a lot of weaknesses in my riding that I'd like to improve, but with that, I think the knowledge and of the the bike itself and how to fix things and how to do, like, regular maintenance on your bike and um, that kind of thing is definitely a weakness of mine. <laughs>
0: Well, I think too, just that it's not that you need to necessarily know how to like rebuild the top end or do any serious stuff, but having a a decent base for if it goes wrong out in the woods or in the desert or wherever you're riding, being able to to kind of, you know, track that down if you need to Mm -hmm. is a big, could be a big help. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um...
1: You endured another podcast with Dane and John. (laughs) Congratulations.
0: Yeah, I got a little background on where we come from, how it starts. Anything you want to say about Enduro Method? One thing I would kind of like to say. Go ahead, um, on
1: the Dane interview.
0: On the Dane interview. Well, it concerns (laughs) both of us for Enduro Method. We've talked a lot about CrossFit because that's kind of where we met and where we started. Um, But Enduro Method is not CrossFit. Yep, we take That's a very good point. Parts of it and use it because it's phenomenal. Um, so some of the methodologies are fantastic, but this is not a plug and play program from CrossFit whatsoever. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like if you were to Google CrossFit, I mean, yeah, there's not going to be any of that stuff on there.
0: Yeah. So what we've working at, continual learning at, is putting together a program that is geared toward helping you get stronger to perform on the bike specifically, specifically. And that comes in a lot of shapes and sizes. Um, and there is some crossover between general CrossFit practice and strength training and all that stuff. But we're trying to take the best we can of our knowledge base and put that into a system that really benefits the rider.
1: Yeah. Thanks for adding that. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, I think that's the end of this second episode.
0: Yeah, two down.
1: Two down. Many more to go. Uh, All right. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. um, And we'll make sure to catch you next time.